Hi everyone, welcome to Legally Unplugged. Thanks for joining us. My name is Maria LeHunt, Chair of the Young Lawyers Division at the Canadian Association of Black Lawyers Cable. And hi, I'm Chantal Dallas, also a member of the Canadian Association of Black Lawyers. Joining us today to share her legal experiences and perspectives is the one and only Sulin Noel. Sulin has almost 20 years experience practicing business law and is currently Vice President, General Counsel and Corporate Secretary of Purolator Inc., as well as Co-Chair of its Diversity and Inclusion Leadership Council. Sulin is a past president of Cable, served as Vice Chair of the Women's Equality Advisory Group for the Law Society of Ontario, and was named one of Canada's top 25 most influential lawyers in 2020 by the Canadian Lawyer Magazine. She regularly speaks to middle school and high school students about a career in business law and mentors many lawyers at all stages of their career. Sulin co-founded the Young Lawyers Division of Cable in 2002. Welcome, Sulin. We are absolutely thrilled to have you on our podcast. I am happy to be here. Thanks so much. Okay, so let's jump into the juicy stuff. Sulin, what are your experiences as a lawyer that remind you that you are Black and that you're a woman? Oh, where do I start? Uh, so many. I think, um, you know, largely I'm underestimated and, and that can be a good thing. I try to use it to my advantage, but um, I've had you know, what people might call microaggressions, macroaggressions throughout my career. And uh, I, I, you know, truly identify as a lawyer kind of first and foremost. And I really forget that I'm black and I forget that I'm a woman when I'm kind of in my work mode. And so sometimes you get jarred back to reality by certain incidents. And one that I can recall, um, I definitely was asked by a client once if, uh, I went to a real law school and, and, oh I was thinking, and, and I was thinking, and I was in the middle of closing a deal for him actually. And, and I was, it, it was after hours and I was walking him to the, the washrooms because you had to leave the, I guess the, the area, you had to leave the office area to go out to the washrooms and I was going to let him back in. So mm -hmm. I, I go to walk him out and he's like, so you, you actually went to like a, like a real law school. And wow. I, I didn't, know how to answer that I think I was about a two-year three-year lawyer at the time and I'm like is there like another law school that might have been like cheaper easier to get into something that I don't know about that I could like be actually servicing you as a as a lawyer um of course I went to a real law school but you know you don't spend a lot of time trying I don't spend a lot of time trying to convince people that I belong there but it's it's just that one thing it, that you know dose of water thrown over you to remind you that you don't look like you fit the description. Um, and I would always be mistaken for my white male assistant secretary. So mm -hmm. I had a secretary in, in private practice. Right. His name was Steve. He was awesome. Um, but regularly people would think that Steve was the lawyer and that I was his assistant and we would laugh about it all the time. But you know, there's, mm -hmm. it, it does, it grinds you down. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that it's certainly gotten easier going in-house. Um, right. So as an in-house lawyer, not everyone's a lawyer, first of all, right? So right. you get that diversity of, you know, professions and people do different things. And so you don't really have to 
um, you don't have to think about it as often. At least I don't have to think about it as often. And, and certainly, you know, be sitting, you know, in the C-suite with, with people, I don't, I actually have the privilege of not thinking about being a black woman a lot of times. Um, but even the, in that position, I'm reminded, um, a good reminder of that was, you know, I think we're almost on a year now of George Floyd's murder and, um, navigating that situation that crisis as Mm -hmm. both a leader in our organization like hey what are we gonna do to support our employees what like should we be making a statement you know other companies are coming out making a statement about anti-racism and and I'm sitting there as a black woman um feeling like can you just give me a minute to just be a black woman right now and and sob and like have my screen off because I'm feeling it. I am, Mm -hmm. I am in pain and it's hard to do that. And then, but still be a leader. Yeah, exactly. So, so, but I mean, thankfully I've got a really great and supportive team who I could express that to. I'm also like senior enough in my career that I can just say, Hey, listen, this is really hard. And this is what this is like for me. And to have people who are, you know, senior executives of a big company, be there and support me and try to be my ally and try to understand and all those things, right? I think a lot of people would have to like hide out in their offices and cry in between meetings and not be able and not be able to show real emotion. And I think that I'm, I felt like I could. And I felt like I I had that support because obviously I feel like I'm included there. Um, Mm -hmm. If you don't feel like you're included, you can't really be yourself. And I do feel like I can be myself there. Wow. That's a, that's a great experience to have. And as you did express, some of us more junior lawyers don't have that same comfort or privilege as you might say. Uh, But Maria mentioned earlier that, you were named one of Canada's top 25 most influential lawyers in 2020. What was your journey like? Uh, what would you say your practice looks like now, day to day? Um, well, my journey probably started out the same as it does for a lot of, you know, bright-eyed mm-hmm. uh, law graduates. Like, I want to go into private practice. I'm going to practice business law and I'm going to make partner and life is going to be great. Um, and so I, I got my job, I got into private practice with a great firm that was really um, supportive and I learned so much. I had principles that really kind of invested in my career. And so I was lucky enough to have some great foundational training and I made partner. I made partner like in five years, which was kind of crazy at the time and and I was the only woman who was a partner and I was the only visible minority and I was also 20 years younger than everyone else so I mean obviously they need a succession plan I was probably one of the first steps of that succession plan and and it was like oh this is gonna be great I'm gonna be a partner and I made partner and I was just like you know what this isn't exactly what I thought it was gonna be like um and nothing nothing to say that it was different at this firm versus any other firm but it just it just didn't feel like I thought it would be I'm like this is it this is what this is like I've got to think about you know the staff and I've got to think about you know all these other things I didn't really care about I just really wanted to like 
I wanted to practice law and I, and I was really interested in, you know, getting under the hood of businesses and being proactive and um, strategic and you like clients don't really pay you to do that, right? Like when they come to private practice, they're usually coming to you with a problem or right. a deal or something like that. And so you triage, you give them what they need, you fix it all up and you give it to them and you send them away. And you never really know like, hey, did they ever realize that deal value? Um, how did that turn out for them? And hey, did that employee stick around or whatever it is that you did? And so, you know, in private practice, you're you're really kind of your, your specialist. They're coming to you and then they leave and then you don't really get to see them regularly, almost like a general practitioner, right? Like, like, I don't know, I don't know how their journey is going. And I was really curious about that. So when I, when I felt like, you know what, private, like private practice partnership was not really, um, all that I thought I wanted for my career. Um, you know, a couple of my partners had suggested going in house, um, especially because I was so interested in business and really like wanted to be proactive. Like, let's try and take care of this before they, they, you know, darken our doorstep at the firm to like clean up all the messes that they've made. Um, I like that. I liked being a partner with a business and, you know, doing it together. Cause I did work on some really big files in private practice where it was exciting, but then when it was over, like they disappeared and I was like, <laughs> it kind of, kind of left you wanting. Right. Um, so it was actually a great move for me to go in house. Um, and I went in house with a customs broker and that was like a great experience. I knew nothing about customs brokerage. I mean, no one takes a customs brokerage class in law school. We don't take, <laughs> you know, transportation and logistics. Like there's some like really niche areas that, you know, you don't learn in law school. So, um, it was great to kind of dig in and, and look at regulations and, and learn the business from the business people. Like that's one thing I love about in-house is I actually really like working with business people. Uh, I like the lawyers on my team. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> like business people are like fascinating and I'm curious about people and you know, it's a whole mixed bag and I've learned so much about business from those people who've taken the time to kind of invest in me and tell me about what they do so that I can help them you know, spot issues and manage risk and all those other kinds of things. So it's great. And so I did that, you know, kind of general um, in-house, but then we, I was with a company that went, there was a public company and it went private. And so they were bought by private equity and private equity always wants to do, you know, make lots of money. So I already knew that probably one of the strategies was to buy companies. And so I kind of created a bit of a role for myself that was like a mergers and acquisitions specialist. It's what I did in private practice and um, doing it for uh, doing it in house is very rare. Like there's not every company is, is buying and selling businesses. Um, and so having the opportunity to do that in-house was great because you really got to dig into the deals and, and understand, um, you know, what you were trying to get from it, conducting due diligence, um, looking at what's the integration plan going to look like so that you'll get the value that you think you're going to get when you buy that business. And so I got to do that for the customs broker. And then I moved on to um, wait, uh, a waste management company and did it for them and, you know, bought 50 companies while I was there for a little less than four years. So the wow. intensity of doing deals, but doing it in an organization where 
everyone's uh you know on this team like it's it's like it's transactional but it's it's like wildly exciting and i loved it and i think when you do it that many times um it gets to be a bit of the same right so the same old same old and so i think i had like a lot of success doing MA, but um i really just kind of hit a point in my career where i'm just thinking but what else like what's my what's purpose next? yeah you know what's my purpose and and i think like one of the reasons why i was interested in business law in the first place was all about like black economic empowerment I really wanted help like black owned businesses that, you know, really didn't know how to start on a strong foundation, but they had great ideas. Right. And I think about all the, the wasted opportunities in our career, in our communities, because they're not well financed, they're not well structured, they don't have the supports that they need. And so I really wanted to hone my craft so that I could be of service to those kinds of businesses. And so, um, you know, when when I was doing it for so long and, you know, obviously making lots of other people rich, I wanted to, <laughs> I really wanted to like think about getting back to my purpose. Like how am I going to help my community? How am I going to help, um, you know, make sure that I'm in an organization where my, our values are aligned and that I'm doing something that's going to be a, a more of a legacy. And right. so, I actually quit my job like a crazy person. Um, and it was a great job. Like, trust me, it was a great job. Um, but again, for some people, they're chasing, whether it's chasing money or power or prestige or whatever, um, you know, it, it kind of, you, you'll, you'll be left empty if that's all that you're chasing. And so I, I knew that before I turned 50, I wanted to take a year off and, and travel and tap into things that are not law related. Like I said at the beginning, like my identity is really strongly tied to being a lawyer and I love being a lawyer, but I'm like, what else can I do? Like, uh, maybe I'll take some photography classes. Maybe I'll learn to mix drinks. Like, I don't know. And I, and I really didn't have a chance to tap into anything else. And so, you know, I worked with a financial planner and I said, listen, uh, even if it means I have to borrow into my retirement, I want to make sure that I can take a gap year, like a career gap year um, before I'm 50. Oh and so, um, I don't even, I'm not even letting you guys get it. I never thought about is that. that. Is that a thing? <laughs> career gap year. Listen, Google. Google. Google it. Like, like, honestly, it's, it's just, I've never really, I like to march the beat of my own drum. I don't do what other people are doing because they're doing it. It's just like, I just go Mm -hmm. where I feel like I want to go, even if it sounds crazy. So literally I was Googling saying like, Hey, is like, I've heard of gap years between like high school and and university but I hadn't heard of anything and so I'll, I started googling and there's amazing things out there talking about um career gap years and um I was just I was a fan and I had never really traveled or did any of those things before I went to law school so I just said yeah I'm going to take some time off so the company that I was working for at the time um GFL Environmental they kind of did like a recapitalization and they were going to basically sign up for another um another private equity owner which meant they were going to do more and more deals and I just thought, Ugh. like, there was a point where they were going to go public. 
And I thought, okay, I'm going to hang on because if they go public, that's something new. Or if we're bought by a strategic, then that's something different. Like I wanted something different, something new. And so when it was going to be more of the same, it's like, you know, the, the prize for the pie eating contest is more pie. Um, (laughs) I'm just like, I've had enough pie, (laughs) but it's been, it's been real. Um, And like I said, I got some great experience there um, and, and learned a lot. I had a fantastic mentor there that I, you know, I've learned so much from her in terms of how I wanted to be kind of going forward as a leader in general, like the things I would do, the things I wouldn't do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I took the time off and like I said, people thought I was insane. Like, like what you're quitting your job like yeah I'm gonna quit my job (laughs) um because I I just felt like I'll get another job I'll work at 7-Eleven like I don't like I don't care about that like I just I want to do this for me and I'm so glad that I did because I think it it gave me the space um sometimes when you're working so hard and it's constant you Mm -hmm. do not have enough space to actually look up to breathe, to see what other things are out on the horizon and that you can miss out on so many opportunities that way. So I think I was really lucky to come uh, to, to be called about the purelator job because I wasn't looking for it. Um, I literally was enjoying my, my life of leisure and all my travels. And I get this call and I'm like, wait a second, it hasn't been a year yet. <laughs> I'm still busy lounging. Living um, your best life. Of course. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, and, and, but you know what? It was a GC role and it was, I don't think I ever wanted to be a general counsel. I, I loved being an M&A specialist. I lo- like, you know, when you get good at something, you're like, okay, I'm good at this. I know this. I want to do this. And I looked at the GCs and I thought, wow, that's got to be a really hard job. You have to care about everything. And I don't, I just don't, I just don't really care about everything. Um, and so I took this role and it's true. You have to care about everything. Um, I'm like, you know, I'm on pension committees and looking at negotiating commercial contracts and working on strategy and dealing with people issues and leading a team. So yes, it is true. You have to care about everything, but um, what an exciting time uh, to be a leader when there's so much crazy stuff going on in the world. So I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm enjoying it, but like literally every day is insane. My calendar from, you know, morning till night is completely (laughs) rammed with meetings that I can't do any, like, you know, what I would typically call work. Like I'm not drafting. I'm not not doing that stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just different, but loving it. Okay. Wow. Wow, Indeed. You have really had different experiences. You know, you've been in private practice. You're you're an M&A specialist. Uh, Now you're a GC. You really have have had your hands in a lot of different things. So my next question for you is, what advice do you have for young people who are considering a career in law? I think I think my advice for people who haven't started in a career in law, but they, they're pretty sure that that's what they want to do. Like, hey, I want a career in law. I would tell everyone to chase their passion, right? If you're, if you're passionate about something, you, you will, there's a good chance you'll be successful in it. Mm-hmm. What I would say, though, is that, you know, your passion has to match your aptitude as well. 
And so you can be super smart. There's some people who I think are absolutely brilliant, but they don't think like a lawyer. And there is a certain way that you're thinking as a lawyer, you know, analytically, um, you're a critical thinker. There's certain, um, you know, talents to to bring to the table. But and you need to figure that out early. So I think what I always tell people is I don't want to give them a pie in the sky like, hey, if you just dream it, you can have it like come on, we all went to law school. It's very difficult to get into law school. Like that is the hardest part, right? Is getting in. But law can be a consuming profession. If you love it, it certainly makes the work easier. So I, I would say like, you know, having young people who are thinking about going into law, that's great do your research, hang out with lawyers. Um, you know, uh, one of the things I, I, so I was a legal secretary before I went to law school and I always call it like my reconnaissance mission, right? Like I, <laughs> I hung out with lawyers. I, I like different kinds of lawyers. I'm like, wow, litigators work really hard. I don't know if I want to be a litigator um, <laughs> or, Hey, I, I'm kind of partial to food and shelter. So I don't want to do, you know, this area of law where I have to chase my clients <laughs> to get paid. Um, right. So, you know, like just, do the research like law is so broad it's wide and it's deep so trying to think about like why is it that you want to be a lawyer is it because you want to make money well there's a lot of easier ways to make money for sure um is it because you you really believe in in um justice in the justice system well that's great but if you watch the news you can become disenfranchised really easily as well so really tapping into like why is it that you think you want to get into law and then test that talk to people do your research figure it out but you know don't give up on on the passion because it can take you far and it's kind of what you have to rely on when you're working really long days yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, now I'm thinking about, well, I'm a, I'm a young lawyer going into my second year call. And this is a question that's on my mind about how to be the best at, um, even at this junior associate level. Uh, what advice would you have for young lawyers like myself who are seeking excellence in their careers? Um, I think it's really important to put yourself in a position where you're observing excellent lawyers. Um, mm. I don't think I knew, like, I, I certainly had been around excellent lawyers. I used to work as a, as a legal secretary at Tories. And so I, I kind of knew what excellent lawyers, um, you know, looked like in terms of like how they like what makes them excellent like what are the questions they ask their clients like how do they draft what do they care about those kinds of things um and and probably the best advice was coming came from a principal when I was in private practice um his name is John Wright I'm going to give him a shout out because honestly like everyone needs a John Wright in their life like this man, you know, gave me some of the values that I hold dear to my heart now. Like I wouldn't be half the lawyer I am today without his guidance. And one of the, the points he made was, you know, never let that work leave your hands if you're not proud of it. And I think that has really held me in good stead because I think about it and it doesn't matter what the pressure is or the rush, like, oh, you got to get it. The, the client wants it today. If I'm not proud of it, it's not going out. And I will apologize or I might send it out and just have a bunch of disclaimers like, listen, this is not my best work. Give me a couple more hours and I'll refine it. But if you need something desperately right now, here it is. But just know this isn't my best. And so I never try to sell my best as my best if it's not. And I'm really right. honest about it because it's a slippery slope because if you start 
you know, handing off work that's not your best work, not your best effort, because of all the things we know are true. Like it's a time crunch. Um, I don't have enough time, resources, whatever to do a good job. Um, but if you don't believe in it and you don't, you know, if you say this is my best and it's not really your best, then people will think that is what you are. People will think, well, that's what I can expect from Sulin. This is what she delivers. And if I'm delivering garbage, then you're not going to come to me. Right. That's really good advice, uh, Sulin. So going on with getting great advice from you, what's your advice for young people in terms of job hopping? You know, sometimes young people are accused of, you know, jumping from one job to the next uh, maybe because, you know, maybe they're a one-year call and they just feel like they're not in the right legal workplace. You know, for whatever reason, it's not the right fit. What advice might you have for someone in that position who maybe might just be a one-year or two-year call? This might not be popular advice, but really, I have to say, don't stay somewhere where you do not feel like you belong. Full stop. Like, if that means you're changing jobs after six months eight months, every year until you find the place where mm -hmm. you feel like you belong, where people make you feel included, where you are honing your craft, where you can become excellent. Like that's where you belong. And, and, you know, try to choose carefully, but if you get it wrong, if you choose a place and you, it's clear that this is not the place for you, course, correct. Like, just leave and go somewhere else and don't stick in a job. Like, some people say, well, you have to stay there for at least two years and then do mm -hmm. this. Like, I just think that that's baloney. Like, seriously, like, it's soul-sucking to be in a job where you feel like you don't belong, where you feel marginalized, where you feel invisible. Like, this is a – it's a tough career but it can be wonderful if you find the right place to do it. And I've been lucky at every single place I've worked. I have really been able to take all of those things, all of those great things that I came there for and been able to like leave and say, okay, great. I've got more tools to add to my toolkit onto the next thing. And you can't say that if you're just trying to survive. I hear you on that one. Um, but as you're just talking about your own experiences and finding value in the different jobs that you, you, you've been through. Um, we all know that being a lawyer can be quite challenging. How do you balance the demands of a busy work life and, well, the rest of your life? Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you guys the same question. <laughs> How do you guys <laughs> kind of like, I could use some help. Um, uh, I have to be honest. Like, it's something I struggle with. Um, it's something I've never been good at. Um, it's something that I know is important. I think that, you know, if you value your home life, you value things outside of, you know, being a lawyer and, and you've got like a very rich personal life or maybe you've got hobbies or family or, or something like that that is more important to you than work, um, then you'll find a way to create the balance and, and set those boundaries. But I, I have to be honest, like I am not good at it. I get consumed with work, but not because I have to. 
it's because I want to. Um, but, you know, much to the chagrin of probably my family, my friends, all those other things, when I do kind of get sucked into the vortex, like, oh, Sue Lin's at board meetings, can't talk to her for four weeks, right? Like, that's, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I have a therapist that sends me articles on, you know, how to communicate boundaries. Um, and it's still sitting in my inbox from like a couple yeah. weeks ago. Like, I definitely <laughs> have to look at it because I want to be good at it. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, if I, if I leave you guys with anything, it's really about I'm still, it's 20 years and I'm still learning things all the time because I really want to be the best that I can be, the best version of me. And in order to do that, I have to be really honest about what I'm not good at and constantly try to work on those things. So I haven't given up yet, <laughs> but I definitely like this COVID working from home, which now I just call it like sleeping at work because like it's literally (laughs) all day, right? Um, It's not healthy. And I think that because I lead a big team, um, they watch me. And so even though I tell them, hey, make sure that you set boundaries and balance work and life, if they see me failing at that, um, I feel responsible. I feel responsible for them. And so I need to be a good role model for them. And I know I've got to figure it out. So again, if you've got some tips or some (laughs) tricks, send them my way. Uh, Because I I definitely, I want to figure it out because it is what's, it's what's best for a long career. And that's what we all want, right? We're not just going to come in and it's, you're not winning, you're not winning the lottery. You got to come in and it's, it's a very long career and it can be a long career if you don't burn out. Right. Also, and you've been really honest and I really appreciated your advice on different topics. I think all our young lawyers would really benefit from all of the advice you've given here today. But now I have a very important question for you. And that question is, tell me something about you that nobody else knows. <laughs> exclusive. This is a YLD exclusive. You heard it here. Uh... There, there's so many things, but let me, let me say this. I mean, some people know this, but they live in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, where I grew up. Um, but I dealt blackjack for a summer um, when I was like 18. I just like I was Why? legit. I was the right age, and so yeah, I was a blackjack dealer, and it was awesome. Um, I don't think I could make a, a, a big career out of it, but <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely fun. It makes me very intolerant of going to Vegas now and like trying to like play with other people at the table. That yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm too judgy now. <laughs> wow, so, that's pretty cool. It's different. Yeah, and definitely something no one would guess. <laughs> but uh, we just want to thank you so much for um, your time and your words of advice. Like, we were so pleased to have had you on our podcast today. And we know that you have a special place in your heart for Cable and Cable's Young Lawyers and Mentorship Opportunities. So for anyone, any of our listeners interested in seeking mentorship, Uh, I would direct you to the cable website under the tab programs. You'll find the mentorships page and you can sign up to be a mentee or a mentor. So please do check that out. Uh, Also, if you've enjoyed our show today, we encourage you to like, subscribe and share our podcast. Also, if there are any questions or topics you'd like us to explore on our show or people you'd want to hear us interview, please feel free to write us at legallyunplugged at gmail.com.
Thanks again so much, Sulin. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.